0: Today, we have a very special episode of Kids Considered. We're going to be talking again about adverse childhood experiences. A lot of people may have heard about this as ACEs. And what this is, is recognizing when a trauma, a significant trauma has occurred to us in childhood. And unfortunately, these ACEs we know now can really impact our physiology and lead to some ACE-related health conditions, like chronic lung disease, heart disease, mental health conditions.
1: In this first part, we're going to talk about the background of ACEs. We're going to talk about how these events really affect children's physiology and how this can lead to long-term outcomes.
0: Welcome to Kids Considered, where two pediatricians discuss children's health topics of interest to parents in a podcast with new subjects considered every episode. I'm Dr. Lena Vanderlist.
1: And I'm Dr. Dean Blumberg.
0: And we're both pediatricians at UC Davis Children's Hospital in Sacramento, California.
1: For this episode, we're collaborating with First 5 California's Stronger Starts campaign to educate families of children ages 0 to 5 years on the harmful effects of toxic stress.
0: So many of you may have tuned into our episode, I don't know, maybe like three years ago now when we talked about adverse childhood experiences, also known as ACEs. Well, today we're in luck because we really have thought leaders in this field joining us today. Um, They're going to talk to us about ACEs and toxic stress, but really importantly, what we as pediatricians and parents can do to help prevent and mitigate the effects of toxic stress.
1: Joining us for this episode is Dr. Nadine Burke-Harris, a fellow pediatrician, advocate, and international leader in the field of toxic stress, and she acted as California's first-ever Surgeon General from 2019 through 2022.
0: And we can't forget her most important job, mom to four boys. When I was preparing for this episode, I was like, oh my gosh, I can barely do this with one kid. I have no (laughs) idea how you do it. Um, Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Could you tell our listeners a little bit about your own personal story and how you became invested in this work and became an expert in this area? I did my pediatrics training
2: at Stanford. And when I finished residency, I really wanted to work in a community where I felt like I was needed. I wanted to be someplace where I could help address uh, health inequities. And so I ended up starting a clinic in a very underserved neighborhood of San Francisco called Bayview Hunters Point. And, you know, I was having the time of my life. I was caring for the community. This was a neighborhood that had only one pediatrician for more than 10,000 kids. And as I got to be the the neighborhood doc, right, I started seeing a lot of kids who were being referred to me a lot for ADHD, Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, but also other really interesting things. You know, there's a lot of asthma, but some kids were having like rare autoimmune disorders, just uh, stuff that kind of, you know, just flags on your radar. And the the rates were unusually high. And uh, as I was taking care of these kids and these families, what I was hearing as I was you know, in the exam room caring for families was that many of my patients were exposed to really significant adversities. You know, parents who were struggling with their mental health or who were, you know, uh, struggling with substance dependence or, you know, a lot of the kids that I was caring for were experiencing violence at home or in the community. And um, you know how it is as, as a doctor, like anytime you're seeing a whole bunch of something and it doesn't quite add up, you, you tend to dive into the research to try to understand what's going on. And, and that's actually how I began understanding how, you know, stress or adversity in childhood can actually affect our biology, right? Like that wasn't something that I think I learned that much about in my training, but it was like, oh my goodness, you know, when kids are exposed to high levels of stress, like that releases stress hormones and these stress hormones have effects on learning, they have effects on our immune system. They have effects on kids' hormones and their development. And that was part of the reason why I was seeing the rates of asthma, the rates of ADHD, the rates of kind of rare autoimmune disorders. And so that's really what got me into understanding this science, to really just learn how to take better care of my patients.
1: That's great, because not everybody's able to have the perspective that you were able to have and sort of zoom out and then look at the real big picture about how it's all interconnected.
0: Totally. And we're going to get to a little bit more about that, like toxic stress physiology that you mentioned here later in the podcast. Jackie Tu-Hong Wong is the executive director of First Five California. She has a background in social work, and she spent her career working as an advocate to improve access to health and education for children and families in California. She is also a mom to two school-age kids. Um, and I would love to hear how how you started this journey. What brought you in to do this work? Absolutely.
3: And they're now teenagers. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, I know. Just <laughs> Freshly minted, one of them, and so for me, uh, similar to Dr. Burke Harris, I actually um, was a behavioral mental health provider, and actually cut my teeth, I always say, in West Oakland um, at McCliman's High School, where again huge health disparities, as we all know. Um, and as a provider, you're like, okay, you're 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 providing treatment, you're talking to students and their families, and you like, what is this? Our you know our training is slightly different than a pediatrician, but really within that healthcare space. Of like what is what is it that we can do, um, and one of the things that like kind of where my heart is is I am a refugee kid came here during, you know um, during the Vietnam War, and again really trying to understanding. What was happening in my own community, my own family dynamics, and not really understanding, like, why was this, I'll just be direct, like, really intergenerational. And so what my kids, like, you know, when the 19, back in the 1900s, when this research came out, and Dr. Brooke Harris was, you know, one of the the leading experts, it it clicked on me in the, actually, a few years ago, just like, oh, my goodness, why did I not learn this? As a clinician, as a behavioral mental health provider, as I'm trying to work in school systems and community systems to empower folks and families to, like, understand how they can best support their children, right? Because much of what I was experiencing was a a deficit framework of how we were you know treating our our students and our families, our children, because that was the framework. And ACES was like, no, I, you know, I I've I've had conversations with Dr. McCare. There's a there's a treatment to this. And it's creating safe, stable, nurturing relationships and environments, right? Like I and I I am so excited and we'll talk more about this later about the Stronger Stars campaign. It's like it's one of the greatest things I can do in my career. Right. For me, I've always worked on the back and intervention side of it, which is also still very important. But if we fully understand the impact of this in their early years, it, it just has long term kind of benefits and positive, you know, affect and impact for children and families and our communities. Like how I'm just so excited and I'll talk more about it later. But just um, that ultimately is my why is rooted in. My family, my community, my stories, and the experiences of all the families I saw in West Oakland and Alameda.
1: Thank you. And just to be clear, Jackie, when you said the 1900s, I mean I'm old, but it's not like it's not like 1905 we're talking about. We're, no, t- we're talking no, about the no, late no. 1990s. <laughs> yes, the
0: late 90s. That is correct. <laughs> we commonly make fun of Dean's age on this podcast. Yeah.
1: So it's a, it's last century. Born okay. in the 1900s. <laughs> So Jackie, um, for listeners who may not know much about First 5 California, what is the mission of First 5? What services does it provide? How does it really fit in?
3: We were established about 25 years ago and our mission is to ensure that all children 0 to 5 have strong starts and thrive. And specifically, I'm so excited about this is when Dr. Burke Harris was our chair, we developed a North Star, our guiding principle. Essentially, we believe that trauma-informed healing-centered, and culturally responsive systems. Supporting that will ensure that we address inequities and the healthy development of young children, right? So that is what our goal is. And uh, with that, you know, we value what we measure. And we, you know, we approach, like, what is this audacious goal? What is this really huge thing that we can do for this next generation? So that our audacious goal is that we believe that in a generation, first five, in partnership with others, will create the safe, stable, nurturing relationships environments that are necessary for healthy development for all children, zero to five, and I would say for all children, period. And so just so excited about that vision, about like our commitment to measuring this. And again, just grateful for leaders like you all and Dr. Rick Harris in helping us get there.
0: So, Dr. Burke Harris, I know you have mentioned in previous interviews, and you alluded to it, talking about your own experience in Bayview-Hunters Point, talking about that original Adverse Childhood Experiences study and the one that you mentioned from the 1900s, 1990s, done by the CDC and Kaiser Permanente, and how it really changed how you think about and practice medicine. Can you summarize that study for us and talk a little bit about the specific ACEs that it looked at in that study?
2: Sure, absolutely. So, this was a a study that was done, as you mentioned, by the CDC and Kaiser Permanente. And a little backstory here: there was a doctor at Kaiser by the name of Vince Felitti, and he was an adult doctor, and he was taking care of adults who were experiencing obesity. And just in the in the process of caring for his patients, he kind of had the same experience as me. He was talking to a patient and heard that she had an experience of childhood trauma, and then kind of noticed that happened again with another patient and with another patient. So he got together with a researcher from the CDC, and they did this study, and they looked at 17,500 adults, right? So this is Kaiser. They have access to their medical records and all that stuff. And they did this big research study, and they said, okay, is this just a weird coincidence, or is there something there? And so They asked about 10 categories of adverse childhood experiences. Those include physical, emotional, or sexual abuse, physical or emotional neglect, or growing up in a household where a parent experienced uh, substance dependence, uh, mental illness, where there was parental separation or divorce, intimate partner violence, or a parent was incarcerated. And what they did was they compared that against people's health. Right. And what they found was really shocking, I think, for many of us. The first thing that was a bit of a surprise was just how common these adverse childhood experiences or ACEs are. So, two thirds of folks had experienced at least one. And, you know, 12.8%, that's one in eight folks in this Kaiser study, had experienced four or more of those. And then the other thing that was really striking was. The more of these ACEs a person had, the greater the risk to their health, right? So, you know, in medical language, we call that a dose-response relationship, right? Like the higher the dose, the bigger the response. But really it was things like for someone who experienced four or more ACEs, they found that their risk for things like, you know, for heart disease was double, uh, for depression was four and a half times, um, for things like chronic lung disease. Uh, was more than doubled. What this research did, number one, is that it helped people like me, you know, doctors and clinicians to really understand, oh my goodness, when we experience um, stress or trauma, that there's actually something happening in our bodies that can affect our health, right? So that was one. But the other piece of it is understanding that gives us the opportunity to actually do something about it. And that's the piece that was really exciting for me. And that's really what the Stronger Starts campaign is all about. You know, the first step towards achieving the audacious goal that Jackie talked about is everyone having this learning and this understanding that what kids experience, right? Like their experiences and their environments actually shape their health and what that means for us you know as you mentioned i have four <laughs> boys right so so what that means for us as parents and caregivers is that we have this incredible opportunity right to be those safe stable and nurturing relationships and create those environments for kids so that we can actually be the buffer Right. So that's the the one thing. And that's really what the Stronger Starts campaign is all about, is that just as we know that adversity puts health at risk, the science shows that the opposite is also true, that when kids have safe, stable and nurturing relationships and environments, it protects their health like biologically it's good for them so that's that's what's so exciting to me
0: and how empowering for parents right like sometimes we feel like oh my gosh they're like how much can we do or like so many things are out of our control as parents this is something that we can do that's that's pretty easy and and not just as parents as potentially like a stable adult in someone else's life whether it's like you know your niece or your your granddaughter it just takes one supportive adult right
2: That's exactly right. And it really brings home a piece that one of the things that I said very frequently during my tenure as California Surgeon General is that self-care isn't selfish. Because I think it's really important for us to remember as adults that many of us, myself included, have experienced ACEs, right? And so actually... Taking the time to care for ourselves is really important to prevent that intergenerational transmission that Jackie talked about. And so that's one of the things that the Stronger Starts campaign also talks about is support for families and communities so that we are
1: not passing on our ACEs to our kids. So Dr. Burke-Harris mentioned the original ACEs, the original adverse childhood experiences, but there's others um, that have been expanded, um, the other social determinants of health, things like living in foster care, experiencing racism, community violence. And have studies shown similar negative health outcomes um, to that of the original adverse childhood experiences? Yes,
2: that is what we're finding. So Aces are—they're just what happened to you, right? They're—they're they're what you experience. If you grew up in a household where a parent was struggling with their mental health, that's your experience. But uh, what we now know, and what the science has shown, is what aces do is that they activate the stress response and the release of all these stress hormones, and that these stress hormones have an effect on the body. And those effects in the body are what we now know as the toxic stress response. So a lot of the times when people hear about toxic stress, they think about it in terms of like, they often think of like the stressor, like, oh my goodness, this happened. And, you know, that experience was toxic stress. And it's actually, toxic stress is actually like, the adrenaline and cortisol that get released in our body and like changes our blood pressure and changes our blood sugar and all of that kind of, you know, affects the way that our brains are activated. And the research shows that ACEs can lead to the development of the toxic stress response. But other things like what you talked about, experiencing racism, experience, you know, living in foster care, these things can also lead to this prolonged activation of the body's stress response that affects our health, which is what we know is a toxic stress response.
0: Yeah, I think it's really interesting because as we are doing more of these screeners in my community clinic, I take care of a lot of Afghan refugee patients. I'm always getting their responses back that they have no ACEs, like no adverse childhood experiences. Right. And I'm like, but you lived through a war, right? You, right. you like um, have toxic stress. That's right. So they are still at risk for a lot of those things and still benefit from all of the resilience training. Um, it just not might, might not be those initial things that were addressed in the study.
2: That's right. And in fact, I um am an advisor now after leaving the Surgeon General's office to the World Health Organization. And that's exactly what we're seeing around the globe is that there are many individuals and in communities who may not have experienced the, you know, the ACE categories, but who are at high risk of having the toxic stress response. So really, being able to identify the symptoms of toxic stress is really important. But the, the important thing is, is that the interventions are the same. Safe, stable, and nurturing relationships and environments are healing. Things like sleep, exercise, nutrition, mindfulness, mental health, healthy relationships, and time in nature. All of these things help to calm down the body's stress response and actually can uh, reduce that biological activation in the body. So the, all of these things, I would say, are the antidotes to toxic stress.
0: Can you talk a little bit more about the specific physiologic response of toxic stress? I know you talked about cortisol, right? That stress hormone. But How does it change our bodies and how does it put us at risk for a lot of those chronic medical conditions that you talked about?
2: There are a couple of ways in which um, toxic stress affects our biology. Often in kids, the one that is the earliest sign is the effect that stress hormones like adrenaline and cortisol and others have on our brains. So, when we see something, experience something scary, like imagine you're walking in a forest, you see a bear, that activates our brain's alarm system. And that alarm system activates the release of these stress hormones. And these stress hormones do things like make your heart beat fast, right? Like everybody knows when you get scared, your heart's beating faster. That's the effect of adrenaline. And um, that also increases your blood pressure. Uh, These stress hormones do things like affect our blood pressure, our blood sugar. They affect our ability to focus and pay attention. So the part in the front of the brain, the prefrontal cortex, that's associated with what we call, you know, educators call executive function. But that's the ability to pay attention and control impulses and self-regulate that part of the brain actually gets turned down biologically because if you are in a situation in which you're threatened, you actually don't want to spend a lot of time planning. What you want to do is just react and get to safety. The problem is if you have prolonged activation of your stress response, then that executive function, you know, that front part of the brain isn't working well when a kid needs to sit in class and learn or respond to an adult who's trying to tell them what to do, right? So that's one of the ways. One of the less obvious ways is that uh, when we activate our stress response, it also activates our immune system, right? The system that we use to fight off diseases and infections. And when we have prolonged activation of the stress response, that can actually change the way the immune system functions. And so I don't know if you ever notice sometimes like you get sick easily when you feel really overwhelmed, Uh right? And that is the effect of the stress response on the immune system. So these are some of the ways. And in kids, this can show up in, you know, headaches, tummy aches, frequent infection, asthma triggers. Some kids get asthma attacks when they feel really upset and anxious, but it can also lead to things like difficulty with attention and learning. Challenges with mood, depression, anxiety, suicidality. So these are some of the ways that toxic stress can show up. I had some patients who weren't growing. It was affecting their growth, right? It was affecting their height. And again, um, the treatment is safe, stable, and nurturing relationships and environments and things that help to regulate our stress response, like exercise like good sleep hygiene, going to bed and waking up at the same time each day and having good healthy sleep routines, other things that help our body's stress response be able to regulate itself.
0: In part two of this two-part episode on adverse childhood experiences, we are gonna continue our discussion with Jackie Tu Huang Wong, the Executive Director of First Five California, and Dr. Nadine Burke Harris, a pediatrician, expert on adverse childhood experiences, and the former Surgeon General of California, to talk about what we as parents, providers, and community members can do to address adverse childhood experiences and toxic stress and make sure every child gets a strong start.